Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of People With Stories with me, Rob Heaney. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you enjoyed the first episode with Kerry Marks. I have no way of knowing if you did, purely because this is, I'm recording this now, the day after the first episode went out. So this is Tuesday, so there's no emails yet. Uh, the reason I've done this so far in advance is because I'm away. I'm in the Isle of Man for my brother's 40th birthday, so I've had to do it before I went. Uh, happy birthday, Andy. On today's show, our, it's our second guest, which is Greg Burns, who is a comedian and also the Drive Time DJ on Capital FM in London. A little bit of background on this one. Basically, the reason I decided to do the show was this time last year, I was laid up for three months I snapped my Achilles tendon. Just give you a second there to get over that. And for the first six weeks when I was in plaster, I, I think I left my flat twice, and one of those was to go to the hospital. Uh, another was to do a gig at the King's Head when they couldn't get any acts because everybody was at the Edinburgh Festival. And Peter, who runs the gig, rang me up and he said, look, can you do 20 minutes? And I said, well, the problem I've got, Peter, is if I'm upright for more than 15 minutes, my leg goes blue. And he said, right, 15, 15 minutes will do. So I did the gig and practically passed out. And during those six weeks, I think every day for the first three weeks, in fact, my mates came around, they were telling me stories, and I don't know, I just thought this would make a really good show. So that's what today's episode is. It's been knocking about. It's one of the ones I've got from over a year ago, and Greg came around to see me and took me to the pub, and then we came back and, and we recorded his story. In hindsight, we probably should have done it the other way around, but <laughs> we didn't. But anyway, it's, it's a great story. Just before I play you that, I, I just got to say, I don't know, I'm having real problems with my neighbour at the moment. Uh, anyone who follows me on Facebook will know all about this saga. Basically, there's a guy who's moved in about three weeks ago. He lives in the flat underneath me, and he clearly has no tolerance for noise. A couple of times I've made phone calls about midnight, and he's banging on his ceiling, which is my floor, with some kind of broom or something he's got there. I mean, he does it instantly. It's like he's waiting for this. He screams up through the floorboards at me. Last Wednesday, I had my brother staying, and 12.15 a.m., my brother sat on my bed and started talking. Straight away, bang, 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 I can hear you, I can hear you, you know, and we were, I mean, we weren't shouting. So he's screaming up, and I'm just shouting down for him to shut up. <laughs> and the following morning, at 10 to 8, he starts banging on my window, ringing the doorbell, obviously trying to get his own back, waking me up. He left a note under the door saying, we need to sort this situation out. We can't go on like this. And I think, well, you can't. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm getting to sleep fine. It's only some prick woke me up this morning. But it's really weird because the only thing that seems to wake him or annoy him is me talking. <laughs> uh, you may understand why. I don't know. Yeah, it's like he doesn't have a problem with my telly. He's not once complained or banged when I've got the telly on. And I, I, you know, I'm deliberately putting it on full blast now. I'm not really. I do keep it quiet. But it is just my talking that seems to get to him. Or so I thought. Because on Sunday night at 11.15, I started typing on my computer. Bang, bang, bang. And I thought, he, there's no way. One, it's quarter past 20 past 11. There's no way he's got a problem with, with me now. But he did. Bang, bang, bang. What? And I genuinely swear this is true. He shouted up, I can hear you typing on your computer. Is, is is that the most insane complaint you've ever heard? I mean, what's he going to say when he goes to work the next day? He's going to be all groggy and tired. And he'll t and everyone's looking at what happened to you. You look like you've had a terrible time. He said, you won't believe this. I was kept up all night. What was it? Was it a party? With loads of people around? Music on, blasting out? No. It was worse than that. The guy upstairs was typing. Typing. I could even... I could hear every... I could hear when he put caps lock on. <laughs> 
I don't know. Last night, last night I ran a bath. I came in from tennis. I think it was twenty past eleven. I ran a bath. He didn't start banging. Maybe it's in the next room over. But he definitely started stomping around. I think he wanted me to know that he was not happy with this. Anyway, I think I've worked out how to deal with it. I think I've, I've noticed that there seems to be this period between about quarter past eleven and half past twelve where, and it's like I've got a baby downstairs now because if I can just get him off, if I can get him off to sleep. He'll be fine once once he's once he's settled down. <laughs> once he's settled down, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. He never complains at two or three in the morning, which is how late I stay up. <laughs> it's only it's only ever the witching hour, quarter past eleven till quarter past twelve. Anyway, enough of that. Unless, of course, I don't know. Have you guys got any neighbour problems, flatmate problems, that sort of thing? We'll probably do a special. Actually, I'm sure we're going to get loads of these stories at some point. We'll do. Do a special on flatmate stories or, or neighbour stories because, yeah, I've, n I've never had trouble with my neighbours before. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Here it is, recorded November 2011. So we're getting this out of the archives. It's Greg Burns. You shouldn't have had five pints first, you know. <laughs> 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 I'm very excited about today's guest. Many reasons. One, we're really good friends. Two, we're, we're, we've just had five pints. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Why? Because people are going to listen for that now. Top They'd never the... have known. They would They'd know. never have spotted the five pint podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's Greg Burns, comedian, Capital FM, Drive Time jock. Yeah, did you start struggle with the word DJ? Well, I don't know. Do you go with DJ? Or, I, I, I don't know. What I'd to rather go with DJ than Jock. I don't know what to call you. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but long-term friends, a little chink there on the glass. We've got chink another of the six-pint <laughs> six podcast. Uh, the man who I shared my thirtieth birthday with inadvertently. Inadvertently? Well, you didn't mean to share your birthday with me. I was supposed to be going back to the Isle of Man. I couldn't get a flight till the following day. I never knew that. I thought you chose to share your 30th birthday. Do you really think I wanted to turn 30 with you and two strangers in a pub? Oh, I thought the, 30, the, the two strangers might be the inadvertent bit, but I thought I was a, an absolute delight and part of your master plan. Whoa, whoa, you were, but... <laughs> I wanted to spend my 30th with just you. That's more like a date. Well... I, no, I know that you're still just bitter because out of the three people that sang happy birthday, happy birthday, two of them got to the point of the name and realised they didn't know who to sing happy birthday okay, to. Okay, th this is exactly, Craig's right, this is exactly how it happened. Happy birthday, dear. What's his name? What's Bob, his Bob, name Bob. again? <laughs> What's his name again? To hear that, you're already feeling down about turning 30. What's his name again? But you've got a great story. I don't want to say brush with fame because you've done very well. But it is a brush with extreme fame, isn't it? Yeah, not necessarily a great story. It depends on where you're sitting. Oh, it is a great story. Well, so, do you know what? It's become... It, it's dipped over the time that this story has, uh, well, been around. I, I, I've gone from hating it to wishing it would go away. And now, I suppose, tw 20 years is enough time to go, all right, you know, deal with it. But still, it is, it, I have my peaks and troughs with how much I like this story. But, but at the moment, I can see a peak. Your eyes um, are lighting up. You can't wait to tell this story. Well, I, I love telling this story. This is one of my favourites. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's probably never going to be as bad a story as it used to be. I'm sure I've got over the, the definite trough of when it genuinely did 
It was a genuine bane of my life. And the thing about the story as well is, you've got to remember, this will make more sense in a moment, there was a good, a long time when I thought this story had gone forever because the situation was never going to come back. Yeah. But come back, it did. Stronger than ever. This is the story, Greg Burns, I was almost in Take That. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, it's like how I, I can never, you know... It's not I was almost... Well, I was at the very final stages of an audition process. That doesn't necessarily mean you were that... You know, you never know how close I was actually to being in Take That. I thought it was between you and Robbie Williams for the last place. Yeah, but okay, but put it this way. How close was it between Leona Lewis and Ray Quinn? There might only have been two people left, but was there, was Ray Quinn ever going to have a, a number one worldwide and sell 10 million in America? Well, no, because it was always going to be Leona Lewis who was going to win X Factor. Do you know what I mean? So it was never really that close, it was just whittled down. But yeah, you know, Yeah, but Ray Quinn has still got that story, you know? Yeah, but it was not necessarily how close was Ray Quinn to becoming a, a massive global superstar he wasn't really because it was always oh my god this is really Lewis. haunting you isn't it <laughs> this is a, so tell us what happened how did right. you i mean how did you know that take that were auditioning well i didn't i, I mean i the, the but the weird thing about this of course i was like 15 16 and when this story happens but i do know it depends how many details you want everything I mean, right well, I can tell. Well, so, if at any point this is too detailed, rush me a lot. But basically, it was coming. I, I was quite interested in music and stuff. As well, I was more interested. In, to be honest, I was interested in showing off on a stage. Okay. And at this stage, I didn't think the stand-up was a possibility because I didn't really know about stand-up. I was fifteen, sixteen. I was involved in music and stuff at school. And um, at this time, I was living in uh, the northwest of England. I had a demo. I made this demo at school with a tiny little studio. So I made a demo. Your school had a studio? Uh, uh, vaguely, yeah. Some recording equipment. Okay. Yeah. And so I made a demo, which I thought was all right. So I thought, I'm going to send this. No, but so bearing in mind it is important this one that I'm in the Northwest. So my parents had moved to Preston. So um, in order to send a demo off, I didn't know what to do. So I went to my local record shop in the little town I lived in. And I swear this is true. I, I went to the record shop and I looked, I flicked through records and looked on the backs. I don't know what I was hoping to find, but I looked through the backs of records to just look at addresses and management companies. I know it sounds weird, but because I was, you know, when you're 15, 16, you're in Preston, London's a long way away. What, where are you going to send a demo? That's ambition. That's proper foresight. And yeah, it's I'm weird, impressed. isn't it? But I, this is how specific I can be, right? I, I went, I sat there and I went through all these record uh, records looking for, a, I don't know, I guess I was, hoping for some local address <laughs> because record companies were in London and it was all big and it was all I was looking for something and I came across a record it was a co- it was a novelty record by an act called Damien who had previously the hit Time Warp yeah. Time Warp yeah yeah there we go I didn't know how obscure that would be but yeah Damien but this wasn't Time Warp this was uh, his follow up single Wigwam Bam <laughs> Gonna make him my man? Yeah. And I looked and <laughs> bam, bam. I looked on the back and um the back of the um this record, it was a record well, it was a management company called uh, Niges and it was based in Manchester on Half Moon Street 
in Manchester. I love Manchester, right? That's only down the road. So I randomly, for no reason whatsoever, other than in a record shop of thousands of records, found this address on the back of Damien Wigwam Bam, and I sent this demo. And then um, I got a call, and I, well, I got a letter, in fact, saying, oh, um, we've got your demo and photograph, and we were actually looking to put a band together. And my dad, the weird thing is, you know, it was obviously I was a kid at the time, my dad came up to me on Saturday morning, and go, you've had a letter from, and it was like a, 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 a postmark letter, obviously from some management company going, what have you done? Um, so anyway, I opened it, and it was inviting me to this audition, for a band that was being put together by utter complete apparently they had been advertising around the like Manchester and and um, Stockport and Stoke-on-Trent which is quite no. obviously um, so I went for the audition completely uh, blind and then um, what happened in the audition what did you have to do uh, we had to sing I sang well basically we, the, the, the first thing wasn't audition the first thing was an interview Okay. and they just looked at you and spoke to you and decided whether you'd go through and obviously they had some tapes um, and the next round was an audition where I well, Rob, well there was four of us I didn't see the two of the guys who were a couple of years older and then the other guy was Robbie and there was me and Robbie sang a Jason Donovan song Too Many Broken Hearts I think it was Too Many Broken Hearts I sang as random as finding an address on the back of Damien Wigwam Bam I sang Laura Branigan Hot Nights what <laughs> yeah don't know why don't know why I have no idea I have no idea why I think it's because I knew the words <laughs> literally I think it was it I knew the words and then that was it and then they put you through to the next stage and then they let you know from there and a couple of weeks later I got a, a, a letter saying yeah thanks but we're, we're not going to put you into the band and that was uh, about July 1990. And then... I look, by the way, didn't you tell me that you were, you were sitting with Robbie and you were talking about your GCSEs? And yeah, yeah, yeah. You got sit- very pally. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know, I'll tell you what it was. Because uh, I'd gone with my dad. To, my dad had driven me there, but my, I didn't want my dad to come into the audition. So my, there was a wine bar underneath the office. And I made my dad sit in the wine bar like, you can't come up. But I went up and Robbie was with his mum. And I remember we sort of bonded because of yeah the GCSEs thing and blah blah. <laughs> and I remember afterwards when I when I came out, so I was I went in last. And I remember my dad went, um, yeah, was, some lad came out in like a like an orange coat with a mum was he in the audition? I'm like, no, no, he wasn't because I didn't want my dad to know that somebody else had their parent in with them. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, 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 everyone was on their own. That was a definite no, no. Yeah, so that was it anyway. So then I got the letter and and. Um, this band that did well actually what was interesting was because what at the audition Robbie knew a lot everyone else knew a lot about it because they'd all applied to a band I hadn't actually applied to anything and I remember I remember Robbie at the time saying look they've got um, there's a guy they've already they've signed two guys already Um, one was already with the management company and one worked in a bank and I remember him saying they've got some guy that works in a bank (laughs) and that's that was Mark Owen and he was working in a bank, and the other, the one they already had signed was um, it's Howard. Be Baller. It no, it was Howard. Baller. It was Howard because he was a he was a model on the books. Ah. So they they were the only two that had uh, actually signed at that point. Uh, but then subsequently, I met um, you know the others, and yeah. Anyway, that was it. So then a year later, they they sort of came out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one of them still hasn't. <laughs> um, and then yeah yeah you know that was it so a year of PRing but was it of course the bizarre thing at that point was that was around the time I started getting into I got into radio really early so then we kept 
running into each other which is great fun um, you've, you've bumped into Robbie quite a few times over the years haven't you yeah Ma- with massive gaps in between the first time it was two years after the audition I was working my first job on radio was at Radio City in Liverpool and they did a bit they, had, well, they still have a big show called The Aintree Show and it was the first big show I'd done for radio it was a big live show you know as much as we do at Capital with like Sometime Ball and stuff was the equivalent then and then they had literally just take that had literally just had their first hit I mean when I say just I mean it was just got in the chart it wasn't even like big and they were going to perform and that was the first time I saw, and basically I, I was backstage, I was one of the presenters, not, I'm not interested in the stage, but I, um, I remember just getting pinned against the wall by one of their security. At your own show? Yeah. And I remember Jason, Jason sort of spotted it and waved over. <laughs> yep, this couldn't get any worse. <laughs> not bad from the band. Now being pinned against the wall, I'm now a skinny 18-year-old being pinned against the wall by one of their security. And that was the first time I spoke to Robbie after the audition. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I just went over. Oh, how's it going? You know, how's it panned out? And I just remember him being quite almost quite melancholy. Yeah, and his exact words were, "If I'm honest, it's been far more work, uh, far more bad times than good." Because obviously they had all, all the disappointment, and that that was it. I didn't see them. That was hit. before they'd had a hit, though. Yeah, no, it was just becoming it. It was just okay. a hit. It was just a hit. But then I didn't see him. I I think. Oh yeah, no, I saw him again about maybe four years later when uh, he'd just gone solo. And then about five years after that, they just done a gig. But then the the, the biggest I've seen them uh, well, was bumping each other quite a lot in the last few years. And all you know, all the, that that gap. Last year at the Brits, bumped into him just literally ten minutes before he was going on stage to pick up <laughs> to pick up the Brit Lifetime Achievement Award. Ouch! Yeah, and um, we we're in the bar backstage, and I, I noticed. Well, basically, I sort of waved over, and he. Uh, he was indicating to one of the people he was with, he was like, oh, that's so and so came over and went, This is Greg, who I auditioned with for the band. <laughs> and actually, there was a time, there was about four or five times in a row when I met him over the space of three, well, two, three, four years. He, well, there was always the same point of reference, it's certainly the first two or three times. And he went, Oh, yeah, I, um, yeah, we mentioned a couple of things. He went, Your skin's cleared up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I don't know he said that two or three times I was like is that can we get over the fact that I had spots <laughs> um, yeah definitely we can stop mentioning now that I had acne I was 15 <laughs> I mean yeah let's not mention the spots anymore <laughs> that was every time literally and there'd be gaps of three or four years ago yeah your skin's really cleared up <laughs> it was just about the time he was singing freedom <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Is that skin? Is that skin? Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah, it's I, good. I think so. <laughs> there was a joke in there. You bumped into Robbie at this year's Brits as well, didn't you? Yeah. This is the. I mean, this. <laughs> this is definitely the weirdest, and this really is one of those um, life moments where um, I was doing the, my Capital show backstage um, at the Brits this year, as I've done the last few years. But this is obviously for them; they were back together this year. And I am I, um, the Brits going live on air at 8 o'clock I finished my show at 7 we just have a bit of dinner and stuff backstage 
and then the show was going live on uh, ITV at 8 so it got to about 5 to 8 or 10 to 8 and I thought alright I'm going to better get out my, we had a table out at the top of the runway in um, O2 so I thought I'd better get out before the TV thing actually starts filming because otherwise I might be trapped and the only way I knew to get out was literally from behind the stage let's just get out and I'll get, take my seat as I came out I saw Robbie coming from left of stage so he said hi I'd seen him briefly earlier he's like oh how are you doing yeah 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 good and we were just sort of chatting and small talk and walking and Gary was there oh, you do you know, know by the way I'd have loved it if he had a big zit on his face at that point <laughs> <laughs> oh God, wouldn't that be amazing if he... oh, I would love that too I can't say how much I'd love that <laughs> and then um, yeah so Gary was there you know obviously I'd met um, but weirdly I'd never met um, Howard so Robbie went oh Greg do you know how and he explained to Howard the connection oh this is Greg who I auditioned with like for the band by the way every time you've ever met Robbie has he rubbed it in by just going have you met Greg Greg's the loser <laughs> who didn't get my job well funny enough he, I tell you what he did do but I, I wouldn't say this is Robbie in but when um, probably the second or third or no probably about the third time I ever met him when I was working local radio up in Newcastle and um, he came in the studio when I, I was doing the drive time show in Newcastle and they brought him in to say hi and I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't interviewing literally was just alright mate catch up and then he did an interview with the um, the evening show presenters and I listened to it go out and they went oh you just met Greg who you auditioned with and he went oh yeah Greg yeah the Pete Best of Take That <laughs> and I just remember this one you little <laughs> we did cut a little bit but you know I'm sure he was saying it with jest <laughs> but yeah um, so anyway he mentioned so he said to Howard and obviously um, Howard's like what, what, what for the band as in this band and I'm just like what do you mean like 20 years ago I'm like yeah 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 but at this point I realised that all of them all five of them are there and we're walking towards the stage I'm, I'm, well, I'm not I'm walking to get out to sit at my table and I suddenly went are you are you on first are you opening the show <laughs> And he went, yeah, and I realised we're all, well, six of us are walking in a line towards the stage of the Brits. And I'm saying, oh my God, you're about to go on stage. And I'm just, I'm just really worried that someone from security is going to come and pluck me out. And it's going to be like the Aintree show all over again. <laughs> but at the Brits, it's about to go on. I thought, this is, if I try, if you couldn't possibly have tried to time this to, 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 to look worse. <laughs> so I'm basically trying to get away because I don't want it to look really bad. And it was Howard keeps asking questions. Like, oh, so what was the audition? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got to go, I've got to go. This looks, this looks really sad. It looks like I'm trying to hang out and take that as we're about to go on stage. And as we literally as we got as we got to the stairs, and I'm about to go out to the tables, Robbie's grabbed my arm and why don't you come up? Why don't you come on stage now? Come on stage now. <laughs> and I, the, the last thing I said was like, you know what? If this was a this if this was a film, this would be the end scene. Now <laughs> it was that is as you know it it was it was and the weird thing was it was one of those it was a really surreal moment and as I got to so as I left them and they went on stage and a couple of minutes later they were live on the Brits and I sat down with the people at my table and they were like so how's it gone today everything okay and I just thought there is no point even yeah. trying to tell you what just happened <laughs> no one would believe it it's just the backstory and the time and that timing and of course that you know that was quite unique the fact that they only just got back together and it could, the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. you know why wasn't it Howard that got 
my yeah. play. Why was it had to be Robbie that I auditioned? Why with? didn't they call you when Robbie left? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I know why. <laughs> oh, um, Greg, thank you very much for telling us uh, that story. You really are the Pete Best of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Thank you. There you have it, folks. That was Greg Burns. The Pete Best of Take That. In case you're wondering why I'm whispering, it's quarter past 11. Just got back in from my gig, which was actually lovely. It was out of bounds in Dorking. It was a really nice time. Uh, Rich Wilson was compo and it was lovely. But I'm very much aware that we're into the witching hour and I don't want to disturb him. I put my bike in there. There's a little, like, a room outside his windows and I put it in there and his lights are off. So I don't want to disturb him. So I guess it just remains to say, if you've got any stories, especially ones about neighbours, email them to me at rob at peoplewithstories.com. Or if you feel inspired enough to tell us your story, then you can Skype us at peoplewithstories, or you can leave a voicemail at 02088 168 168. Once again, thanks for downloading and listening. And I really hope you're enjoying this. Let me know if you are. And go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review because we need them. I'll be back next week with more people with stories. Goodbye. Goodbye.